Glory to Jesus. Welcome, everyone. Good morning. Good morning. I know it's 9 a.m. service. Good morning. It's so good to be in God's house today. And um, I'm going to start with prayer. I, I, was, I was preparing um, for this message. I, I had some mixed thoughts and, and some feelings, and I, I wrote down as much as I could. And I normally don't write a lot down and just really allow for the Holy Spirit to lead us, right? It's God's word, and so we want to honor God's word. And, and I wanted to get all the thoughts that I had and everything as I prayed um, that I, I really felt like God was speaking to me. I wanted to get them down on a piece of paper and, and really be able to process um, today. And I, uh, again, it's, it's Sanctity of Human Life Sunday, um, but as believers, we celebrate the value of life every day, Right? As believers, it's not allotted to just one day. We don't just take January 22nd or whatever day it falls on the calendar year and say, today we want to recognize sanctity of human life. As believers, we know that life is precious, life is valuable. Um, and each one of us sitting here today, watching online, wherever you're at, there's value. Your life has value. And so I, I want us to start with that, and I want to start with prayer um, and just allow really for our hearts to be inclined to obey the word of God, to hear what God has to say to us. Um, I would be remiss to not bring back um, last Sunday, if you were here, if you were watching online, um, Pastor Greg Hubbard preached an amazing message on the rapture of the church. And we were excited to hear about the rapture of the church. And for us who got to see so many people come up for salvation, we're beyond blessed to see that. And for us who know the Lord and know he's coming back, we were reminded of that blessed hope we have in Christ, right? And so it doesn't stop. It's not over. And we have to consistently remind ourselves of who we are in Christ and that this is not our home. You know, I, I was listening to a song right before the service started, and it said that there's no place like home. Well, for us, no place like home is heaven. So what you see here and the brokenness you see here is, is passing. And for us as believers, when we've put our faith in Jesus Christ, this isn't it. And so as I preach this word today, I want to remind you that this isn't it. That this is not our home. That we're in a present time of passing by. We're here, but we're here as foreigners. This isn't it. And so when we were rejoicing last week about the rapture, and we're going to keep talking about the rapture and the blessed hope that we have in Christ we have to remember that that all applies as long as we're applying the word of God to our lives. Because if we're not applying the word of God to our lives, we are being led by the world. And if we're being led by the world, then we're not true followers of Christ. Right? Because to be a follower of Christ would mean that I would follow his word. Amen. And so, Heavenly Father, we come before your presence this beautiful, precious Sunday morning, Lord Jesus. God, it is an honor and a privilege and with a humble heart, Lord, I stand here before you, Lord. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to our hearts. I pray, Father God, that you would encourage us today through your word. I pray, Lord Jesus, that we would humble ourselves. My God, your word says God oppresses the proud, but you give grace to the humble. Lord, that we would humble our hearts, my God, to receive what you have for us today, Lord Jesus. That we would honor your word, Father God, and that we would give all glory and all honor to you, Lord Jesus. We love you, and we just pray that you would bless this time today in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. So in prayer, as I was preparing for this message first, I want to say the bottom line today is life is a sacred miracle. If I were to tell you, like, what, what was the point? What, what were you trying to articulate today? Life is a sacred miracle. It's a sacred miracle because we were created by God. 
And we're going to kind of like flesh out like what that looks like through scripture and what it means as God has seen each and every one of us and has said, you have value. You matter to me. And so I wrote down, I was in prayer a while back, a couple months ago, maybe like a month or two ago, and I was reading scripture and I was praying and something really hit my heart. And I don't know if this has ever happened to you. You tell someone something and they kind of misconstrue what you said. And you're like, that's not what I meant, right? And that's frustrating because you're like, I didn't mean that. What I really meant was this. I'm not sure why you didn't understand what I was trying to say. And so as I was praying and and preparing, I said to God, I want to know what you meant when you said what you said. Because God left us his word. And we don't have the right to interpret it to our own liking. We need to know what he meant when he said what he said. And so when we read scripture, we need to read it and say, Lord, I want to know what you meant when you said what you said. It would be unfair for us to try to unpack scripture based on what we wanted to say. And as I just mentioned, it's so frustrating when we tell someone something and they decide they're going to give it its own interpretation. And we've all been there, right? We've all been in a place you said something, you communicated something, and you're like, I didn't say that. And that's not what I meant. How did they get that? And as I was praying, I thought, man, God, I can't even fathom how you feel. I can't imagine how God feels. You left us your word. You tell us in your word that if you seek me, you will find me. When you seek me with all your heart, you tell us that the Holy Spirit gives us understanding and wisdom. You tell us if any of us lacks wisdom, demand it from God. And so we, we go into your word and you, you tell us something and, and that's what you meant. And so when we read his scripture, I don't, I don't feel like we have the right to say, I don't think that's what he meant. No, that's really what he meant when he said what he said, right? And if you've ever been in that predicament, you understand this. And here's, here's, here's the biggest issue with this. God is almighty creator. And so his word ought to be revered as such. And what he said should be sovereign over our lives as Christ followers. And so when I look at his word, I should say, amen, Lord. I want to know what you meant when you said what you said. And I wrote down, what if, and, and it, was, it was interesting because I thought, you know, we have the word of God and we have directions for our lives. And I just wrote down, what do we do with directions? We follow them. Most of us, right? <laughs> follow directions. We know that if we don't follow directions, most likely we will get things wrong, whether you're building something or you're trying to get something or get somewhere. When we don't follow directions, we end up making more mistakes and having to start over again trying to figure things out on our own, and maybe just maybe if we're fortunate enough, things work out. But it usually is much harder, and it takes much longer, and it's much more frustrating. We've all been there, right? So then I have to ask you this question. When you read the Word of God, do you read to truly understand what he meant when he said what he said? God gave us his Word with directions and instructions. It is life-giving. And we know that when we read his word and we seek to know what he meant, we find life. When we read Psalm, Psalm 119, 105, it says, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Right? His word guides our steps. It illuminates our path so we don't have to walk in darkness. And so what are the directions and instructions that you're following for your own life? 
for those watching online, for those sitting here today. What are the directions you follow for your own life? Where do you get your instructions? Where do you get your directions? Because something's leading your life. Someone is leading your life. Something's leading your life. What is it? And today we're going to focus on the sanctity of human life. And I heard this said, and I, I just, I've been off social media, which has been phenomenal. <laughs> and, but I, I, I was asked, they're like, oh, what are you going to preach on? Whatever. And I said, the sanctity of human life. And some people were like, oh. And I was like, oh. What, why is that a hot topic? Because life is sacred. It's sacred. Life is sacred. I don't read the Bible and say, oh, that's no, this is what he said, and this is what he meant when he said what he said. And so I don't have to kind of tiptoe around with what God said. He said it. And if he said it, he meant it. So I said, Lord, how, how can we, as Christ followers, live in such a way that wherever we go, wherever we stand, whomever we're speaking with, we're saying what you said. <laughs> we're not changing it. We're saying this is what God said. This is what his word says. I'm going to say this. As you think of the 60 million children who have lost their lives to abortion legally in the United States since 1973, does that make you feel uncomfortable? I'm going to share some statistics with you that were shared with me. There's the Endangered Species Act. It protects three amphibians, 56 birds, seven clams, two crustaceans, 29 fish, eight mammals, 21 reptiles, two snails, and 42 plants, and their unborn offspring, but not a human baby, not an unborn human baby. Goodyear Tire spent $35,000 to surgically attach fins on a pregnant loggerhead sea turtle, which had suffered a shark attack. A spokesman for the company commented, we're doing this for motherhood. A Florida, a Florida man was arrested for stealing turtle eggs from the beach. He defended himself by saying the eggs were not yet life. No good. He was convicted and fined. To the law, a turtle egg is alive, but not an unborn baby. A special office was set up in 2004 to investigate attacks on trees. Someone who kills a tree can face up to a year in jail and 15 thousand dollars in fines but not an unborn baby so what is the value of an unborn human life so what's truth what does god's word say is truth who defines truth god does if you're a christ follower if you have a biblical worldview god defines life God does. God does. The creator of the universe. God defines life. And so whatever the circumstances is, whatever they are, whatever they are, I had to correct myself. <laughs> Grammar police. Life matters. It doesn't matter how we feel. God defines truth if you're a believer. I can't look at this world and get the definition of truth. I can't look at this world as a Christ follower and decide what is going to inform me. I have to look at the word of God and say, this is what will inform my life. Because either I'm a Christ follower who's defined by following the word of Christ and living for Christ, 
or I live for the world. I can't set up two camps or I'm lukewarm. God's word says that we are holy, that we've been sanctified by him. Sanctity of human life, what does it mean? Sanctity, the quality of state or being holy or sacred, secure from assault or trespass. So we have to believe whether or not we believe that life is sacred because that changes everything. Because if you don't believe that life is sacred, you don't even know where you stand. If you don't believe that life is sacred and created by God, it doesn't even matter. And this is what scripture tells us. Psalm 139, 13, 16, which you all have read, unless you're completely new and have never opened the Bible. But even so, I'm sure at some point you've read this scripture and it's been used a lot and it's been, it's been tainted because I, I've read so many different arguments on every which side. And I love this because it's misconstrued, but God met what he said when he said what he said. And so Psalm 139, 13, 16 says, for you created in me, my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made, fearfully, reverently, sacredly, holy. Look up what fearfully means. He took time in reverence, like the God of the universe took time. He took this reverence. So you think about holy, like to have that reverent fear, like you're, you're, you're like, this is, this is so miraculous that I'm going to take my time to create this child. I'm going to take my time to weave this child together in their mother's womb. I'm going to take my time to define this human being who will never exist again on this universe. I'm going to give this, this little precious unborn child its own DNA, its own set of fingerprints, its own identity because it's important, because it has intrinsic value, because I created you in your mother's womb. It says, my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. And I, I have to say this because I, I did a lot of research on this. Your eyes saw my unformed body. So I, I, I'm, I guess I don't know if I'm allowed to say this. I'll, I'll keep this, the university out so I don't get in trouble. This university, you can look it up, did this whole research and they showed that the pregnant tissue is just pregnant tissue. So it's just pregnant tissue and there's like a Petri dish. Scott, you'll like that Petri dish. See, I got you. Petri dish and they show the pregnant tissue to the students and to the people that went to this forum. And they're like, look, this is what it is. It's just pregnant tissue. Well, see, scripture says here, your eyes saw my unformed body. It doesn't have to be formed to be a child. It doesn't have to be formed to be God's divine design and plan. So when they're showing that pregnant tissue, that pregnant tissue has DNA that God has already put in there. That pregnant tissue already has value. That pregnant tissue, he says, I knew you. Like I even before, listen, my shirt. For I knew you before I formed you. Even before you, you came into being, he knew you. He had plans for you. He had a divine design for your life. You had value for him. All of us, it's why we're sitting here. And so life is sacred. It's a sacred miracle. It's, and he says it, this is, and this is what he meant when he said what he said. He says, your eyes saw my unformed body. He looks and he's like, oh. This is amazing. 
Jeremiah 1.5, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Man, I don't know if you feel like you're not valuable. I don't know if you feel like you're not special. But God's word says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Can you imagine the creator of the universe? God Almighty knew you. He had plans for you. He knew you. He cared for you. He, he designed you. He, he thought of everything. And man, I'll tell you what, you want to have your mind blown. Research just the intricacies of the human body, how we're formed from the beginning. I'm talking about, you know, the beginning. Like from conception, it's phenomenal. It's so intrinsic. And God says, I knew you. I designed for you to be born for such a time as this. I desired for you to, came, to come into existence for such a time as this. Check this out. According to scientists, the odds of you being born are about one in 400 trillion or more. That's mind-blowing. He had a plan. And so life is sacred. It's not like spontaneous combustion. It's not like, oh, maybe by happenstance, this, this could possibly come to, to pass. There was a plan and a divine design and, and God in his infinite wisdom looks out and says, now, here. Think about, again, the prophet Jeremiah. I appointed you as prophet over the nations, the weeping prophet, before you were even born. Like even if, if you try to run from God's divine design for your life, he already had a plan. He already had a plan. Job 33, 4 says, the spirit of God has made me. The spirit of God has made me and the breath of the almighty gives me life. <laughs> the breath of the almighty gives me life. We're, we're not just blobs on this earth. <laughs> and I know you're probably thinking, well, no, I didn't think that. But sometimes we act that way. Sometimes we act like we're just these physical bodies and that's that and we're going to go through the mundane of every day here and there and go to work, raise my kids, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, again, this just is spontaneous combustion and what's next? And that's not what scripture tells us. The almighty, the breath of the almighty gives me life. It's the very breath of God inside of us that gives us life. I don't know if that blows your mind. I don't know if that does anything to you, but if you, like I said, if you've ever felt like you have no value, are you kidding? The breath of God gives us life. I love Exodus 1. I was reading, you know, you start at the beginning of the year and you're reading through the Bible and as God is God and reading through Exodus 1 and there's these two Hebrew midwives, two Hebrew midwives and Pharaoh, the new king Pharaoh had, had rose to power now. The old one was gone, new had come. And he was so frustrated. He was so frustrated because the Hebrews, the Israelites, they were continuing to prosper and they were multiplying. There was, he was like, there's too many of them. There's too many of these people. We got to take care of this. You can read this in Exodus 1. And he says, there's too many of them. We, we got to get rid of them. We got to figure something out. They're getting too powerful. They're overtaking us, et cetera, et cetera. And he tells these two Hebrew midwives, listen, when the Hebrew women come to give birth, I need you to get rid of the boys. We, we got to do something here. We, we, we got to get rid of these Hebrews. They're just multiplying. 
So he tells the Hebrew midwives, he's like, you got to get rid of the boys. You can keep the girls, but not the boys. Because they can't keep reproducing. It, we, 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 we've got a population problem here, basically. Pharaoh's saying, listen, we got a population problem. I think you all hear that today, right? We got a population problem, right? These are all the arguments the world uses to justify defiling the word of God. And so he says, listen, we got a problem here. We got to get rid of these kids or whatever. Well, the scriptures tell us that the Hebrew midwives feared God. They feared God. I, I got to say it. I've, I've read different arguments, both sides. I love to hear both. I want to hear everybody. I want to hear what everybody has to say. Okay, fine. Let's all compile it. I've heard both. The word abortion is not in the Bible. Well, here we go. Exodus 1 mentions two midwives that were told by Pharaoh to kill off all the Hebrew boys that would be born. And scripture says, because they feared God, they did not do such a thing. Well, what would they be doing if they killed the boys? Murder. They'd be getting rid of them. It says it here in my Bible. Afterwards, blessings followed for them. Regardless of what the outcome would be, they didn't care what the outcome would be. They didn't do it. And it repeats itself. It says, because they feared God. They feared God. And so it's very clear in this scripture, as you read it, that God's saying, no, this dishonors God's heart. This isn't God's will. This isn't God's desire or plan. But because they feared God, they did no such thing. So here's what, where we stand, right? This is where we stand. We're, it's 2023. What do we believe about God's word? Because that changes everything. Because if we believe God's word, we will fear God. We will say, God, no, man. Life is sacred. Life is sacred. And according to everything we've just gone through, according to every scripture we've just read, life is sacred to God. We don't just get to kind of figure out what it's going to look like. It's sacred to God. And that's, that has to be our foundation. Because you have to have a foundation, right? You have to have a foundation of why. Because if you don't have a foundation, I'll tell you what happens. You're going to teeter-totter through life. When you don't know and you don't believe what you actually believe, you teeter-totter through life. So I'm like, yeah, well, that's true. No, this is what the word of God says. This is truth. And when the midwives said, we ain't doing that. We fear God. You keep reading further down and it says, because they feared God, God blessed them and gave them their own families. Blessing followed because they honored God's word. Blessing followed because they honored God. Blessing followed because they, just, they said, you know what? They, you know, they, there was a 100% chance that Pharaoh would take them out. It was going to be very likely that Pharaoh was going to have them killed for not obeying. They didn't care because they feared God. See, because when you fear God, it doesn't matter who's saying whatever they're saying around you. You're like, that's not what the word of God says. I'm sorry. Like, you can persecute me. You can throw me in jail. You can have me arrested, but I fear God. And I don't know about you, but I fear God. <laughs> and if he said it, I'm going to obey it. And if he says it, I'm going to believe it because he's sovereign. And God is God and we are not. We are not. And how do we move forward, right? 
How do we move forward as society? How do we move forward? And I was having this conversation with our, our group on Thursday. It was a different topic. And I said, we have to get out of that camp of like, I don't know, I don't know where I stand or I don't know what, what I, what I want to believe. As a Christ follower, I'm going to tell you, you're going to believe what the word of God says. As a Christ follower, you're going to say, Lord, I want to know what you meant when you said what you said. I want your word, as Timothy tells us, to teach me, to rebuke me, to correct me, and to train me in righteousness. I want your word to inform my thoughts and my life because I fear God, because I choose to honor God, because I know when I choose to fear and honor God, blessing follows. And that's that. We have to move forward. We have to move forward as the people of God because people are hurting and people are scared. They don't know what to do. Anything drives our decisions, a lot of times it's fear, right? So often when you look at your life, a lot of the decisions you've made were based on fear. Fear of the unknown. Fear is, how is this going to play out? How is this all going to work? What am I going to do? And the enemy is consistently trying to put fear in us, right? The enemy comes to rob, to kill, to destroy, and Jesus came to give life. And life more abundantly, John 10, 10 tells us. The enemy will always be, he's, he's divisive. Satan is divisive. He's always trying to put fear in our hearts, trying to make us feel angst, like, I can't say it, I, I can't do this, and, and I don't know how I feel about this, because that's the way the enemy works. He comes to rob, to kill, and to destroy. And Jesus comes to give life, and life to the full, life more abundantly. And as a people of God, this is what we should be doing. We should be healing. We should be healing. Jesus is our healer. Jesus comes to bring healing. You've heard this before. I didn't make this up. God can't heal what you conceal. Satan wants you to live in fear, condemnation, guilt, rejection. And this isn't a woman's topic. This is a people topic. This is a man and woman and sanctity of human life and the sacredness of life and who God has designed us to be. And we, the, the holiness, if I can, the holiness of creation, the majesty and the magnificence of creation. And so this isn't a, oh, oh, oh that's a woman's topic or a man. This is life and life is sacred. It's why we're here. It, this would all be Bizarre, if we're all sitting here and we don't believe that life is sacred and, and one day we will spend eternity somewhere and one day we will, we will have to give an account of our lives and one day we will have to kind of settle our matters and it would be bizarre to be here. It would probably be easier to be home, sleeping in your pajamas. But you're here because you believe something and I would say if you believe something, what is it? Where does it stand and where is it rooted and, and where do you stop? And I, I talked to a friend of mine and I said, I just fear that sometimes we look at the scripture and we're like, I don't like that, rip it out. I don't like that, rip it out. I just, I fear that at times when we, we get uncomfortable about something, we just wanna rip the pages out of the Bible and say, I don't like that. But here's the problem, blessing won't follow that. Freedom doesn't follow that. It is when we obey God's word that freedom follows, that blessing follows, that we're able to say it is well with my soul. And so for us as a people of God to move forward is we have to move forward with the truth of God's word and we have to learn to, to share our, the compassion that God has given us and learn to heal. And God can't heal 
what we conceal. Because the enemy wants you to hide, whether you're male or female. He wants you to hide. He doesn't want you to come clean. He doesn't want you to repent. He wants you to be scared. He wants to keep you trapped in your fear. He wants you to feel like this is it. This is your lot in life. Oh, well. Proverbs 28, 13 says, whoever conceals their sins does not prosper. The Bible says that, not Maritza. Whoever conceals their sins does not prosper. But the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Finds mercy. God is merciful and forgiving. God is merciful and forgiving. That's why we're sitting here, right? Like we wouldn't be sitting here if God wasn't merciful and forgiving, right? Because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So apart from God's mercy for us and the price that Jesus paid for our freedom, we wouldn't be here. But when we repent, we find mercy. Romans 8, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. So it doesn't matter where you're sitting at. And you guys understand that. It doesn't matter what camp you're sitting at. You might be the person that's contemplating life, contemplating, I don't know what to do. You might be the person that's saying, it's too late. It's never too late. It's never too late. When we repent, it's never too late. See, people don't know your business, but God does. He knows why you made the decisions you've made. He knows why you decided to do what you did. And, and, and even if it grieved his heart, he says, I know you. Remember, let's go back to scripture. He says, I know you. And he says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. When we repent, we find mercy. We find blessing. We find favor. We find newness. He says, the old is gone and the new has come. So as a people, we have to heal. We have to confess our sins. We have to move forward and we have to heal. Because in the healing, you will find life. The enemy wants to keep you trapped. Whether you're watching online, here, the enemy wants to keep people trapped. It, I, I can't, there's certain things, I, obviously I can't say. It's been such a gift to, to sit in some circles and people just say, I did this. And I know God forgives me. And they felt such freedom from just, there's women who have shared, I did this. And I was scared. I didn't know what to do. And they just felt such a release because now Satan can't accuse them because Satan is the accuser of the brethren. But once something is exposed, you're free. And that's what God wants for us as his children. I love Psalm 34, 18. It says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Psalm 34, 18. When we hurt God, and I, I think I do have like childlike faith because I probably have these like little conversations with him and he's like, she's like five. I'm like, Lord, remove the yucky from my life. 
like the yucky things that hurt you, like the ugly things that are offensive to you, like the ugly things I've done and the yucky things I've done, take them away. And I love that he says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and save those who are crushed in spirit. When we grieve God, when we dishonor God's word, our spirit is crushed, right? Our spirit's crushed. You didn't want to hurt him, but you did. You didn't want to do what you did, but you did. You know you didn't make the right decision, so you're crushed. And he tells us, I'm close to you. I'm close to you. I'm near to you. And he saves you. So you don't have to pull away from God when you've made a decision that you feel was the wrong decision. Or you made it out of guilt or fear or just whatever. He says, I'm close to you and I will save you. (laughs) What freedom? Like, how do you not rejoice in that? For us as the mission of the church, and Pastor Scott started off the year with talking about the mission of the church And we'll continue to talk about the mission of the church. And the mission of the church when it comes to the sanctity of human life. I love Isaiah 58, 10. Because we have a mission as a church. Right? We can't sit silently. But there's a difference. We are to walk in love. But we are to walk in truth. Because it is the truth of God's word that sets the captives free. It's not our political stand. It's not something you read. It's our love for the broken and the hurting and the fearful that sets the captives free. It's the truth of God's word that sets people free. Truth, truth and love that sets. So that's our mission as a church. Isaiah 58, 10 says, and if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed. And man, are people oppressed? And you would say, well, are these people oppressed? Yes, they are, because when you're fearful and you have so many different people telling you so many different things, you're oppressed. You're oppressed. If you don't know where you stand in life, you're oppressed. Freedom is found in Christ. Outside of Christ, you're oppressed. You are. We can all say yes to that because we are. And so when you read this and it says, and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then you're light. The church of Jesus Christ needs to shine really bright. We need to start shining really bright in this very dark world. The light of Jesus Christ needs to shine in this very dark world. It says here, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like noonday. When will our light rise? And night become like noonday when we, we as a body of Christ, spend ourselves on behalf of the hungry and the oppressed. When we start meeting people where they're at and saying, I'm going to do life with you. I'm going to walk with you. I'm not going to judge you. I'm going to speak to you truth and love. I'm going to tell you you can find freedom in Christ. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to encourage you. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. John 15, 12, and 13. And we all know that Jesus Christ, our best friend, laid down his life for us so that we could walk in freedom. And that's what he wants for all people. And so we have to decide as a church that we're going to walk with people 
not judge, walk with them, speaking truth and love to them, encouraging them, strengthening them. I want you guys to check out this video before we close today. Jesus. And that's Mercy Ministries, one of the partners that we are able to support. And it is an honor to support ministries like Mercy, like Life Choices. I, I hope you were looking at the stats. It says 86%, 86% of women will choose life if they have one person, one person to encourage them, to support them, one person to say, I'm going to walk with you. We have to be the first ones when we hear someone say, hey, I don't know what to do. We should be the first ones celebrating. Wow, what a miracle. And I had this experience this past fall. I won't give details for confidentiality purposes, but I did get an email from someone that didn't know what they were gonna choose. And I was flying back. Marisol, you sent the email. I was flying back from Chicago on the phone, in the plane, got the email, within a second, I responded to that young woman's prayer request. I said, I gotta encourage her. I gotta walk with her. I gotta tell her that what she has inside of her is a miracle from God. I gotta remind her that she's not alone. I gotta let her know that God is with her and we're with her and we will support you and we will support ministries that will support you and we will do life with you. That you are fearful, but you're not alone. 86% of women will choose life if they have one person. So what do we do? And I don't want to leave this out, I know for sake of time, but I do want to say this. Trauma doesn't heal trauma. You'll hear the argument that, well, they had a traumatic experience, and because they had a traumatic experience, this was the best option for them right? You've heard that. Well, trauma doesn't heal trauma. Love and healthy relationships heal trauma. I watched this documentary one time and the person says, it's like if a person that goes in with a broken leg and they break the other one. <laughs> and that's what many women and men face these days. They go in with an accident, right? I'm trying to be very, they go in, they're like, man, this was unplanned. I didn't want to do this. This shouldn't have happened. And I don't know what to do. And I'm fearful. And 
well, this leg is broken, and so now we're going to break this leg too? Doesn't make much sense, does it? Healthy relationships and love heal trauma. Someone has a traumatic experience, it's the love of God, the love that you share. Healthy relationship that will heal that person. When you inflict trauma on trauma, that person will never heal. They'll never heal because it's trauma on their body and trauma on their body and trauma on their body doesn't heal anyone. Two wrongs don't make a right. You've heard that your whole life. I don't want you to forget that. Here's what we do as Christ followers, and then we'll close. Be salt and light wherever we go. Whatever we say or do, it should always be light for others and salt in this world. Encourage. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will hold you with my righteous hand. Philippians 4.13. Volunteer. Mercy Ministries, Life Choices, they offer help to mothers and fathers. Their Mercy Ministries is out here today. Life Choices is at GT North. Find out how you can be a part of these ministries. What God's asking you to do in this season. Disciple someone. You see a pregnant young woman or a young couple, be the first one to say, hey, if you guys need any help, I'm here. <laughs> hey, if you need anything, let me know. Life, live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will, Romans 12, 2. Live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Whether it's discipling, encouraging, volunteering, giving, live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. Allow the sacredness, the holiness of the word of God to inform your thoughts. And pray. Pray for healing and for this issue in our world, for our hearts to change and for the strongholds of deception to be filled with the light of the truth of God's word. And pray for the volunteers in your local pregnancy resource center that are out there every single day offering hope and life. And that's what we're called to do. And I want you guys to stand up as we close today. And I was praying for today. I have friends, relatives who've all not chosen life. And I'm sure we probably all do. And maybe some of you here did not choose life. And I'm probably 99% sure that you didn't choose life because you were fearful. Because I do believe with all my heart and soul that people care. And maybe I'm an eternal optimist, but I do believe that people care. I believe that as Christ followers, we know and understand the love of Christ. And yet sometimes in fear and doubt, we fold, right? In different ways we fold, right? In different ways we, we were like, man, I should have done this, but I did this. Man, I was scared and I did this. Man, I had no one to support me, and so I chose to do this. And just as we read scriptures today, God is all merciful, all kind, all loving, all forgiving. He is. He is. And I know that God can't heal what we conceal. 
because he wants to set us free, because he wants us to live in freedom. And so we are going to pray. But I want you to know, if you need freedom, if you need healing, and you just want to surrender it to God today, male or female, because it takes two. You all know the song. No one left. Praise God. (laughs) Maybe you do know the song. Maybe you don't. Male or female, because it's not a girl issue. It's a life issue. It's a life issue. Reconcile with God today. Take time to be at the altars today. To say, Lord, I want to find favor. I want to find freedom. I want to find hope. And I want to use this experience to speak life to others. I want to speak life into others. And for you, if you're watching online or here for the first time and like I said earlier, when Pastor Greg preached about the rapture, and it was so awesome to see so many people at the altars. Man, if you never, ever truly surrendered your life to Jesus Christ and repented of your sins, repented, we've all sinned, and said, Lord, I am a sinner. I, I've messed up. I, I haven't followed the directions that you left us. I haven't, I haven't humbled myself to the place to say, Lord, I'm going to follow and honor your sacred word. And I want to make that decision today. And it's not a rush decision because repenting means, man, I don't want to live the life that I used to live. I don't want to be at that camp anymore. I'm ready to cross over. I don't want to be there anymore. I've lived this way for so long and I followed these rules and and this set of instructions for my life for so long. But Lord, I want to live for you now. And I, I want to know, I want to know what you meant when you said what you said. I want to know for myself. I want to live there. I want to honor you. And so today, if that's you today, I do invite you to the altars. If you need freedom, I invite you to the altars. And I love what Greg said, and we've, we've been doing this for a while, but there's this step of faith to come into the altar and just getting prayed for. Just believing God for your miracle. It is a step of faith. It's transitioning over. I'm, I'm done. I'm crossing over, right? It's like entrance. Exit, entrance. I'm walking over here a lot and God wants to heal us and as the body of Christ God wants to transform us and that our light would shine in this world amen Amen. we're going to pray heavenly father lord we love you lord we want to know what you meant when you said what you said lord lord as we read your word today life is sacred period it's sacred it's holy it's reverent lord Before we were even formed, Lord, you knew us. Lord, we were fearfully and wonderfully made in your image, Lord Jesus. Your word says so. We can't subtract from that, Lord Jesus. We can't take away from what you've said, Lord. We can't add or subtract, Father God. Your word is holy. Lord, we come before you today, Lord Jesus, with repentant hearts, Lord. If we've hurt you, have offended you, God, in fear, we've done, Lord Jesus, what we ought not to do, Lord Jesus. And God, and sometimes even as, as it just in blatant ignorance, Lord, we've chosen the wrong way, Father God. We repent, Lord. We repent, Father God. And your word tells us that when we repent, Lord, we find mercy. We find blessing, Lord Jesus. And that's what I pray for this congregation, God. I pray, Lord Jesus, as we humble our hearts before you today, God, maybe we've said the wrong thing. Maybe we gave the wrong advice, God. Maybe we were quiet when we should have spoke up. 
Lord Jesus, but I pray, Father God, as we surrender to you, God, as we repent before you, Lord Jesus, I pray your blessing over this congregation. I pray your healing over this congregation. I pray those sitting here today, God, that those are watching online, Father God, that say, Lord, it was me. God, I made the wrong decision. I was afraid. Lord, I pray, Father God, that as they cry out to you, Lord Jesus, your healing touch would come upon them. Lord, I pray healing in this place today. And Lord, I pray for salvation. Lord, if there's anyone in this room today watching online, Father God, who's never made that decision to follow you, Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray, God, Holy Spirit, that their hearts would be convicted, Lord. Lord, that they would be able to declare, I die to self so Christ can fully live in me. That it is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. Lord, we need you, God. We need to shine in this dark world, God. I pray that we would rise up, Lord, to encourage and to love those who walk alongside of us, Father God. Help us, Father God, to be faithful, faithful with your word, faithful with what you've entrusted us with, Lord Jesus. Lord, we pray all these things in your powerful and mighty name, Jesus.